coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida. You're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We are a weekly podcast with new episodes coming out every Tuesday afternoon, which you can listen to whenever you feel like it, because it's a podcast, and hopefully you'll subscribe and give us a good review on iTunes or wherever you like to listen. On today's show, Kevin and I talk about the childhood foods we grew up with and how they shape what foods we crave as an adult. Our guests today are Marlon Kaplan and Ashley Troyley of Grace Restaurant, located on Grill Beach. Marlon will be telling us his somewhat comical and definitely unorthodox way he got into the restaurant business. We'll also talk about his approach to the menu and food, and Ashley brought along some wine with cheese and charcuterie. After that, we'll play our music segment, open our lunchbox, share our tip of the week, and have a gluten-free wrap-up. All of that is coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. So grab a snack, pour a drink, and relax while we serve up the show. Today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast is proudly served up by our launch sponsor, Capital Tacos. Yeah, Capital Tacos, they hit the St. Pete scene a couple of months ago. There were many members in our Facebook group that raved and raved about Capital Tacos. They would drive for miles and miles to go and try their tacos. They're locally grown, their original location being in Land Lakes. So this was a very highly anticipated opening. You know what's so cool? All of their ingredients are made fresh from scratch in-house every day. And I believe that's over 100. Yeah, on one of our visits there, we tried the uh, Austinite taco. So mouth-watering with their house tenderized and marinated grilled steak. It's so good. Yeah, it's carne asada actually is what it is. And and the beef fajita taco is amazing as well. Actually, drop by in September or October and mention you're a listener of the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast, and they'll actually hook you up with some chips and queso on the house. Tacos are all the rage these days. Stop by and see what all the fuss is about for yourself. Capital Tacos is located at 5226 4th Street North in St. Pete. CapitalTacos.com So I find it fascinating when you think about it how people's tastes are so different all across the board. I wonder oftentimes how our childhood actually shapes that. Giving away my age, obviously, but I, I grew up in the 70s for the most part. A lot of really bad crap came out in the 70s, but also moms started going to work more and more. My mom went to work. I'm not saying she made crap all the time. A lot of times she made really good stuff, that fresh from scratch stuff. But a lot of other times I ate some stuff that I should never and will never eat again. But then there's other stuff that I still occasionally indulge in. (laughs) Well, we were definitely raised in the processed food era. I mean, you got uh, casseroles that were made with Campbell's soup. TV dinners, we were raised on fast food when mom's working and doesn't feel like cooking. 
I mean, for instance, this morning, this is what spurred this topic. We woke up and man, Kevin and I, for some reason, both, we love McDonald's breakfast. Shh, don't tell anyone. But I just mentioned McDonald's and he said, you're evil. I'll indulge in McDonald's maybe four times a year. It's always and only breakfast. And it's always a sausage McMuffin with cheese. Well, you had a biscuit one time. Occasionally a biscuit. They have great biscuits. Mine's always a sausage biscuit. And I taught Kellen, Ke- That's easy Kevin. For you to say. <laughs> I taught Kevin how good yellow mustard is on uh, the sausage biscuit. So now he puts it on his McMuffin. Yeah. So that's an example of something that I uh, consider junk food, maybe not the best for you. And something that a foodie probably shouldn't even admit that he eats. But uh, that's an example of something that I'll still eat now. An example of something that I'd have to be on my deathbed starving to eat would be like a can of Chef Boyardee ravioli. But we ate those when we were kids, and it's like so awful. Yeah. Beefaroni, that was mine. It was always beefaroni. But, you know, fascinating enough, too, is I think about when I was pregnant with my son, who's 15 years old now, so this was quite a while ago. I found it so fascinating. I had the strangest pregnancy cravings. I literally craved all the crap from my childhood, like fried bologna sandwiches on white bread with yellow mustard. I would drive across town at nine o'clock in the morning to go to Crystal Burgers. My mother was a Crystal Burger addict, so we would go through there every time we went by a Crystal Burger. I would go there at least two to three times a week across town to get Crystal Burgers for breakfast. It was, it was nuts. Yeah, and in New Jersey, we had White Castle. Right. It was pretty much the same thing. But in, in my growing up, that was when I was old enough to then stay out till two in the morning and the bars all closed and you have the drunk munchies, you'd go to White Castle. And yeah, I can't, I can't blame this on that. I have to blame it on my mother. Yeah. She was from Georgia, so it was Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, I've never been pregnant, but I do have pregnancy cravings, as Lori likes to call them. Last weekend, I woke up on Sunday and I was just going, hot dog. Hot dog, hot dog, like one would magically appear. Didn't work, so I had to get up and get dressed and go to the store. And we went to the store and we bought hot dogs. And then in the process, ran across this Taylor pork roll that's also from Kevin's childhood. Don't ever do it. Yeah, it was better when we had uh, the pork roll in New Jersey. We had it was like a big chunk of processed meat that you would slice. This was this pre-sliced, really thin stuff, and it was kind of, it wasn't that great. Yeah. So, I mean, my mother, she cooked good stuff, but it was all the meat and potatoes. My father was from Michigan, so meat, potatoes, he had to have potatoes or pasta, always a starch at every meal um, was how I was raised. I don't eat that way now, but I do like it. Once in a while, I crave it. I I want that kind of of a meal. My dad was the same way, and my sister went along with him. It was always, you know, just like, yeah, meat and potatoes, nothing fancy. For some reason, well, I'm adopted, but I always wanted something else. I, I discovered spicy foods. I forget what it was initially, but I love spicy stuff. And I wanted to eat Chinese food. I wanted to eat Mexican food. So my mom would make the, quote, normal dinner for dad and sister, and then she would join me. But the funny thing is, it was like the, ta- the old El Paso taco kit, that, <laughs> or uh, what's the Chinese food? It's like canned. Chinese. Chung King. Chung King, yeah. <laughs> Chung King, we, we had that. Kevin was adventurous. I was not very adventurous. It was, you know, pizza and, and all that kind of stuff. But he has taught me in our time together to just close my eyes and eat stuff and try it. I've really learned to love a lot of other things that I was not raised on. My mother very rarely cooked with any fresh herbs or 
we had salad every night, but that was as close as we got to anything like that. I think I was destined to become a foodie. When I was a kid and we'd go out to dinner every once in a while, it wasn't often. Like now we go out a few times a week. Back then it was a few times a month. But I would look at the menu, I'd go down the list, and the first thing I hit that I've never eaten before, that's what I'm having. Yeah, my dad would just tell you that he could put something over the menu prices and I would pick the most expensive thing no matter what. Yeah, you still do that. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it, it's, it fascinates me because everyone has such different tastes and we hear people say they are looking for authentic this or that or they're looking for this. Or that. But we're going to talk about that in another, another episode. But I think that that whole authentic thing is also affected by your childhood and how you were raised because there are times when I do sometimes still crave a fried bologna sandwich even though I'm not pregnant or crave um one time when I was pregnant I drove across town late in the afternoon when my my ex-husband was out of town to buy some crispy cream hot donuts I didn't buy just one which was all I ate I bought an entire dozen and they all went to waste except for the one <laughs> yeah that sounds uh like I said, I was never pregnant, but that sounds like something that would happen uh, after smoking something. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we could say marijuana because now it's, it's politically correct. It's like marijuana is your friend. Yeah. It cures well, illnesses and stuff. It's almost legal. When I was a kid, here, I, got, I would get in trouble for smoking that. Now it's like you're patted on the back for smoking it, but that's another topic too. What were you just saying? But I find that for myself... That when I look on a menu, I'm looking for something that's going to hit all of those taste buds that have been ingrained in me since I was a child. And red pasta, it's red sauce for pasta that's ingrained in me. I've learned to branch out since, obviously. You know, it's just those things that bring back that nostalgia of your childhood and the childhood foods, even though we were eating probably the worst stuff for you. But it, I, I know that that has to be something in us that shapes how we select food, taste food, and uh, figure out what we really like as a person. It's also subjective. I do both. I still look for something new and different that I haven't had, which I'm, I'm running out of stuff at this age. But more recently, in more recent years, I think the first time I had octopus was maybe, I don't know, eight years ago, nine years ago. And then suddenly it's seemed like somebody made a rule that if you have a restaurant, <laughs> you have to have octopus on the menu. Because, and cheese and charcuterie. Don't forget the cheese and charcuterie. Yeah, that might be another topic also. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> what's, what's too overdone? Yeah. Not, not in a cooking way, but... We're getting ready to wrap this up. But going back to, you know, the, the nurture versus nature thing, I, I mentioned that my father was from Michigan, so we had a lot of meat and potatoes and all of that. My mother was actually from Georgia, so it was quite a mix. And my mother salted everything. She salted her watermelon, her tomatoes, her salad, everything. She put salt on her salt. Probably, yeah. And so I salt everything, pretty much. I've learned, though, learned over the years to taste things before I salt them because there are certain places, especially in town, that I don't need to salt them. They are perfect for me. But there are just those things that come from, like, my past with my parents, both of them, that just are cemented and ingrained in me. I'm sure you have that too. Yeah, but there's also the things that it's a good thing that they are not. Like, I, I think both of our moms always had frozen vegetables. Oh, God, the vegetables. Oh, I don't even want to. 
It was just a part of the time. It was always canned or always frozen vegetables, yeah. and they were always overcooked. I had to get used to al dente and learn how to eat al dente vegetables. Carrots, I still love them cooked too much, but every other vegetable, they're so much better al yeah. dente. I, I just I cringe now when I see overcooked frozen vegetables. Growing up, we had a pantry full of cans. Like I don't know, there might have been 50 cans of canned vegetables, and we had a freezer. There might have been 50 baggies of frozen vegetables. And I can't remember the last time I ever bought, ate, or cooked canned or frozen vegetables. Right. Probably when I had my, had my first apartment, I did. That's all I knew. Right. And, and when you look at this new generation that's coming up right now, the millennial generation, it's interesting to see how they eat because it's very different from how we ate at that age. It's fresh stuff. It's poke. It's, um, you know. All kids these days. Kids Get off my lawn. Days, I know. But they, they weren't raised in the same era we were. So the things that they look for are so different from the things I look for. I prefer a restaurant where we sit down and we dine and I'm waited on. And yes, maybe that makes me privileged. I don't know what it makes me, but all, I do know prissy. that, oh, whatever, <laughs> <laughs> that it's moving away from that trend. You have food trucks, you have. Restaurants you go into and you stand in line and you order and there's nobody that's waiting on you. And that is definitely where the dining scene's moving. Is, uh, and, and this is another topic too, takeout food and, and delivery services. So all of this ties into how we were raised. And everyone should keep in mind when they're talking with others, and should is a, a word that maybe I shouldn't use, but just be kind and remember that everyone comes from someplace that you didn't. Yeah, just because... You're a weirdo doesn't mean I'm a weirdo. <laughs> so. So in, um, in wrap-up, which I think we're pretty much wrapped up at this point. With Saran Wrap. No, it's better with the press that's, and seal. That's, that's a different kind of show. Yeah, but we'll get in trouble for plastic use. Right. Anyway, my wrap-up was basically just keep in mind everyone comes from someplace different. And not everyone has learned to branch out and try different things. But I do think that nurture plays a big part in how we order our foods, eat our foods, taste our foods. And then nature, as we grow older, tends to lead us and steer us into different directions. So we'd love to hear your thoughts, too. You can send us an email at info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. Leave a comment on our webpage at stpetersburgfoodies.com. Or comment on social media at any of our uh, sites on Facebook or on Instagram. Have you been to Anata lately? If you haven't, you really must go. Kevin and I hadn't been for a while and recently rediscovered it. And it's just blowing our minds. The menu's fantastic. Everybody thinks of cheese and charcuterie when they think of Anata. They do a fantastic presentation, and it's always amazing. But I would really recommend branching out and trying some of this stuff off of the menu. Recently, we had the uh, tuna tartare, and it's some of the best I've ever had. They put it atop a seaweed salad, and that just balances it out. And they have these little crisps on top. It's just amazing. They always do a wonderful job with the octopus appetizer as well. And then we tried the oxtail tortelloni the last time we were there, and it was just superb. But on my list next is the short rib bolognese, and I can't wait to try that. The only reason I haven't tried it yet is because the specials have always been too good to pass up. 
If you haven't been, you definitely must go to Inada. Inada Wine Bar is located at 300 Beach Drive in downtown St. Petersburg. They open every day at 4 p.m. You really must go to Inada. Welcome back to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Today we are joined by Marlon Kaplan, the chef and co-owner of Grace Restaurant in Pasigurl Beach, and Ashley Troyley, the sommelier at Grace Restaurant. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. Uh, we have been to Grace Restaurant a few times ourselves. It's been written up as a review on uh, our website. Tell us what Grace Restaurant is about. Well, Grace is a 150-seat bistro that was spawned from my ability to create food that um, is casual and not overbearing, whimsical, but we take the ingredients very seriously. I still tell people it's gourmet food, but maybe that's just because of the quality and the uniqueness. Yeah, I think that's maybe a little bit of a misnomer. I mean, I, I, I like to think that we, we make the food with ingredients that are really extraordinary. We always source things that, for the most part, come from exotic places in a way. Like we've had sea asparagus from the West Coast. All the fish we get, we try to source locally, and we only use like scamp for our grouper. I would say that calling it gourmet is just makes people think that it's maybe a little different, a little more special and precious, but it's not really precious at all. It tastes like the food that it is. Maybe makes people think it's too high-end and they can't go there every day. Correct. Like that. I mean, and it, and it is designed that if you wanted to come in and just have a glass of wine and our hamburger, you could. And it's really very approachable and, and sort of from a price point and from the different things that you'd want to eat. Maybe a salad and, and, you know, a special cocktail is a thing to do. Mm-hmm. Your background, you were from New York originally, and then you somehow ended up in Cleveland. How did that happen? Well, <laughs> it happened in that I was in the advertising industry for about 12 years. And one day I just was sitting in Central Park and I decided, okay, I will. I was reading the Times and I saw this little ad that said, under sous chef wanted. And so I looked up and the address was directly across from where I was sitting. <laughs> now, I didn't have a, an idea of what under sous chef was. I, I had no idea what I was getting into. I've never I even didn't, heard of that I, title I, before. Okay, so, and I didn't really know how to cook and so I got up in my little blue blazer and khakis and I walked across the street walked into this really beautiful restaurant it was an Italian restaurant it's all green marble and I I don't know said to the bartender there said uh, I'm here to apply for the job it's under sous chef and they said well just go downstairs and so I walked down these stairs, and there were probably 20 young fellows in their little white chef jackets filling out applications. And I looked down at this thing. I hadn't filled out an application in 10 years. If you wanted a job in my business, you'd call the recruiter. So I didn't have anything to put on the application except my name and address. <laughs> and the chef comes over, 
and sits down and looks at the application, looks at me, looks at the application, and looks at me, and he says, so are you looking for a front-of-the-house job? And I said, no. I said, I want to cook. And he goes, is this a joke? <laughs> and I go, no. I said, I want to cook. He goes, well, why should I hire you? And I said, well, I've eaten in the world's greatest restaurants. I know how to make this food. I'll make this food. And he just, there was just dead silence for a few seconds. And then finally he said to me, okay, I'll give you two days to prove that it, you can do this job. Wow. So that's how it all started. And that's how it started. And was that in New York? Or that was like, in New York. Okay. And so from there, I mean, there's some interesting little things. I, I went on vacation for a couple of weeks I, you know, so that I could keep my job. I didn't know if I was going to have a job. And... <laughs> So at the end, in the end, all right, I'm in this little tiny locker room, and I had worked a couple weeks, and I'm getting, I got my paycheck, my first paycheck, and I'm sitting there, and the guy's crawling all over top of you, trying to get out of the, you know, their shift, and I opened up my paycheck, I'm sitting there, and I looked down, and I had tears in my eyes, because it was $245, and I go... <laughs> I spent more on dry cleaning, or I spent more on tipping than 245 a week. Right. So I did what any good ad man would do, and as I folded it up, I got dressed, I walked down the street, I walked into the oak room, I ordered the biggest martini I could possibly <laughs> order, and just told myself I was going to do it. Wow. And from that point on, that's how I started. Nice. And then what brought you and to Cleveland? So I, I had like two or three di different jobs. I would just cook wherever I could get someone to take me in. And I ended up going to work for a little uh, for a, a group of restaurants called Fousey. And they were on uh, 65th and Broadway right across from Lincoln Center. And so I, I was working for them, and I was there for about a year, and they were opening up a place in Cleveland, Ohio. They had opened it, actually, in November of 1990. And by Labor Day of 91, they had issues with their chef, and they had one. So they said, well, do you want to go out to Cleveland? And I was like, no. But <laughs> they said, come on, we need somebody, and you can do it, and blah, blah, blah. And so I ended up getting on a plane, going out to Cleveland, and doing a really good job. And so at the end of the, you know, about a year, I said, well, I'm ready to come back to New York. I'm, I did my job here. And they said, well, we don't have any room for you right now. And I said, that's not going to work for me. And so I ended up um, going to, you know, starting my first little restaurant. And once you do one, you got to keep doing two, and then you got to do three, and then you got to do four. So I ended up with nine restaurants at the end of about 25 years. They were different concepts. Everyone was different. I went from I had a bistro that, and and Grace is actually an amalgamation of all the restaurants that I've had. You know, from the visual elements to the culinary elements. Right. And so I've had fine dining, I've had bistros, I've had barbecue, I've had sushi bar, we had um, taqueria. So I just embraced all these different little concepts. And um, 
at the end of, I don't know, 20 odd years, I just said, okay, no more cold weather. We're, we're going to, we're moving. And I had a friend down in Clearwater who wanted to do a restaurant with me for like 10 years. And so I called him up and I said, well, I'm done and I'm ready to come down. And he goes, well, yeah, come on down. I said, because if I don't come down now, I'll probably start another project up here. <laughs> and we came down, but we couldn't agree on, on a location and we couldn't agree on this. And finally, you know, I just said, well, you know, it'd probably be best I went on my own. And I started to go out on our own. And the end, I ended up going back to consult with him for two years. And then finally I said, no, we've got to do one last restaurant. So Grace is. Right. So you ended up in Pasa Grill because you well, really like the community we, and we, Tierra Verde. We ended up in Pasa Grill because we, we had bought a house in Tierra Verde. Mm-hmm. And we kept going to Pasa Grill for breakfast and really thought it was the cutest, sweetest place you could be. And so, you know, my partner and I, Lisa, decided, okay, this is the place we should do it. We looked downtown. We really liked downtown, but we couldn't find the perfect location. Right. And so we think we found the perfect location in Grace on 128th Avenue. Yes. It was much needed in that community for sure. Now, we also have Ashley here. And Ashley, you've been studying wine and... Yes. Um, I've, well, I've been working in restaurants since I was 16 years old, and it just started to be a progression. I kept changing restaurants and, and growing. And when I ended up in a more fine dining restaurant, I got so much more of a wine education, and it became an obsession. I have my level one here with um, Master Quartz, mm-hmm. but I'm working on my level two. Nice. So, And you brought some cheese and charcuterie and a couple of bottles of wine here today. Did you want to talk about wine pairings and we're working with a really approachable list which is fun but we're also pushing boundaries we're not just serving Pinot Grigio and Chardonnay there's there's a lot more to our list and and that's what our excitement is like today I brought a Vermentino a Sasa Regale it is um, from southern Tuscany it's right on the coastline there it's it's a beautiful beautiful vineyard it's it's actually an animal refugee it's it's where there it's still the wildest part of Tuscany and it's wonderful and also brought in Flying Solo. It's a Grenache Blanc Vignet. So it's just different wines that we're trying to bring into the list and, and bring to Grace. You know, one of the things about Vignet, <laughs> going back to my first restaurant, people, this was back in the early 90s, people couldn't pronounce Vignet. <laughs> and so you could never sell it because right. people, there was a barrier. And to overcome that barrier, you know, it's, was a major thing and so we tried and we tried but we couldn't get people to buy it and but now people are a lot more sophisticated a lot more willing to to step out and say okay i'd like this this white here i'm not sure exactly what it is but i want to try that so you think the problem was they were actually scared to try to pronounce it yes i mean that's and that's you know one of the big things about you know having french wines or you know wines that people couldn't pronounce then they didn't want to they didn't want to be embarrassed we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to start eating and drinking 
Hi, Gordon. What you been up to? Big things, Fred. I'm a full-time student at bartending college. Wow. I never had time for a formal education. Well, I decided to make time, but it's not easy. Bartending college is a four-week course. Gee, how far along are you? Well, let's see. This is Tuesday, the third week. Hey, I'm a junior, and I'm late for a daiquiri lecture. Why don't you join me? Why not? Bartending college. You've already spent enough time on the other side of the bar to qualify for enrollment. Bartending college. We'll teach you everything you need to know. You'll get a starter set of bartenders jokes like... So I says to the guy, you can stay, but the cow's gotta go. <laughs> Bartending college. You'll learn how to roll drunks, water the liquor, and skim the cash register. And remember, as the bartender, you drink for free. 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 Last call for integrity. Welcome back to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. We are here with Marlon Kaplan, the chef and co-owner of Grace Restaurant in Pasigro Beach, and Ashley Troyley, the sommelier. I like that it has a yay at the end. <laughs> yay, we're drinking wine and having cheese and charcuterie. So uh, what do we have here? Uh, today for our cheese board, we have an Amber Blue. It's a French cheese. Um, we also have an um, Italian goat cheese. It's our brunette. We also have a sheep's cheese. It's our argor cheese. And also we have a few different meats here. We have um, our serrano. Um, we have a goose mousse, a whiskey salami. Um, and also one of my favorite parts of this board, as always, is our, bro- our Brick Street um, honey that we do. It's um, Bricks, honeycomb. Brick Street Farms. Bricks, oh, Bricks, right. Brick Street Farms. It is our, it's actually honeycomb, so it's not just honey. Um, it goes so well with um, the blue cheese. You know, one of the points that we brought up about Brick Street Farm is that we made a commitment when we got here to buy as much local product as we could source. And we found this little farm that's right up the road, <laughs> right outside the trap, um, that produced greens. And their greens were head and shoulders above anything that we had seen. And they were really special, and they're grown in shipping containers. So we said, we'd like to do this. Can you supply us on a regular basis? And we ended up, you know, we've taken over probably a quarter of one of their containers because of the volume of of these greens that we, we purchase every week. That's awesome. And, you know, we've also paired with them to to do dinners and we just think it's a great match of community and how it interacts yes and as you're talking i can picture the container we were one of the first people to write up an article on brick street farms we love brad and shannon they're doing such a great job yeah they're doing a really awesome job yeah and even both of the salads that are on the menu are yeah from them and and actually a third which we use the arugula as a base salad so you know and we interact with a lot of other products of theirs. Right. Great. Now, well, back to the uh, beignet. By the way, it's delicious. I can definitely see how it would hold up to the, the board. Oh, wonderful. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, it's wonderful. Very, very good. Beautiful cheese board, by you the know, way. You know, this cheese and charcuterie board, we felt we wanted to have it because it, it's certainly something that people could relate to. And we didn't realize how popular it became. Mm-hmm. I would say that one in every five people order one of these uh, for dinner, or not for to start their dinner off, just to to break into the social part of 
their dinner right. rather Sharing, than just interacting, right, talking. not just, oh, I ordered, you know, my entree and I'm eating and leaving and not having any conversation. And that's part of what grace is about. Let's talk a little bit about the food and what you have on the menu, what you highlight, where you come up with your specials. I really feel that the food should taste like the food that it is, that it's not covered with a lot of sauce. Um, you'll notice that if you come to our restaurant, there's very little cream used in what we do. There's not, they're not overly sauced. And, you know, we use a lot more oils and extracts and juices to flavor the, f- the food. Well, that tends to bring out the natural flavor of the food. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, like the, the chicken dish, which <laughs> was a dish that got developed. And I said, you know, this amalgamation of, of many restaurants. I, I developed that back in uh, 2000. It was at a fine dining restaurant that we had called One Walnut. The only reason why that dish appears on this menu is that we were sitting, actually, in a restaurant down here with some people that I knew, and then somebody who had come along, who had eaten in the one at One Walnut, and they were describing this t- chicken dish. And I go, and did you have that at one of my restaurants? And she looked at me, and she goes, yeah, I had it at One Walnut, and I go... And you remembered this 18 years ago? And she described it in detail. Wow. And I go, for a chicken dish. And so I was like, well, I really, truly have to put this dish on the menu. And so what is the dish? It's very, very simple. It's chicken, a chicken breast with skin on. It has the first wing bone in. And it has garlic, shallots thyme and lemon stuffed under the skin and roasted and then it sits in a broth made that you cook the chicken in so it has some lemon and chicken uh, stock and thyme and white wine and then that's poured over top of the chicken and then it has some fingerling potatoes and hair colbert that's it i can tell you what i'm getting next time i'm coming to grace well but it is Maybe the number three best-selling dish. And normally chicken's not sexy. Like, I normally well, don't go to restaurants right. and order chicken, but that that's great. We So I had to put it on, and it has become, a, you know, a staple. It's a mainstay. So it doesn't change with the seasonal That things. one is not going to change. <laughs> I mean, if, if I change it, it's going to come off the menu completely. Right. That's the way I approach our food. That's All great. of it. And for those of you that live in downtown St. Pete and you haven't visited Grace, it really is only a 10 to 15 minute drive across the bridge. I know it's a little beach bridge, but you all go there for the beach. So you must come try Grace. Thank you guys. Thank you. This is Chris Walker. Welcome back to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Our music segments will always feature only local St. Pete artists. And on today's show, we have native Gloria West and the Gents. Gloria's style is described as old-school stride-swing jazz with a sultry twist. Her album, for which Kevin is the co-executive producer, is available at GloriaWestMusic.com. 
But first, let's hear Gloria's answers to our Fast Five foodie questions. Gloria, are you ready? Yes. What's your favorite food? Pickles. Pickles. Can, just, does it have to be like a whole meal? No. Mm. So just pickles out of a jar? Yeah. How about fried pickles? I do like those as well, yes. Have you ever had them at engine number nine? I have not. You have to. Lori says they are the best in the city. <sighs> I love pickles, yeah. <laughs> What, I will have to go try those. What's your favorite restaurant in St. Pete? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I play at Anata every three weeks, and it's pretty amazing. Awesome. I always just get the fish dish. Nice. Because it's yeah. always just insanely phenomenal. And I don't really know how to order fish from anywhere else, but there I just go, yes, I will take that. <laughs> and it's always insanely good. Yeah, we love Anata as well. Yeah. Okay, salt or pepper? Um, I don't really do much of either. I've learned, though, that if you do just a little bit of both sometimes, that that can bring out the flavor a lot. I've started trying to do it, but in general, when I do stuff, it's usually like garlic powder, onion powder, parsley. Nice. Yeah. Some hot peppers, maybe, too. I do crushed red pepper, yeah. Nice. Those are like my four things that I use. So, cilantro. Love it, or it tastes like soap? I don't know if it tastes like soap to me, but it tastes really, really awful. But I got tired of not being able to eat stuff because it had cilantro, so I've kind of forced myself to be tolerant of it. Because <laughs> you go places and they have it on the salsa and they've got you know it on all different things. And if you can get it without it, I get it without it. But in general, I just try to power through. Can you cook? I can cook a handful of dishes very well. <laughs> I wouldn't call myself a cook per se. My dad was a chef and he could cook anything, but he didn't really teach us how to cook anything. Do you have any favorites on what what to cook? I have my famous chicken tacos. Uh, I will literally, people will come over because they know that I'm making them. (laughs) They're like, I don't know. I have plans tonight. I'm like, I'm making my chicken tacos. Okay, I'll be there at seven. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also make some pretty great homemade spaghetti and homemade meat sauce. Some really good burgers. Some awesome chicken salad, egg salad, and tuna salad, and I got those from my dad. Nice. I love all those. Yeah. Uh, well, all that stuff, but yeah. uh, now I'm hungry, and I know where yeah. you live. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you. And now, Gloria West and the gents with their tune, Leave the Past Behind. It was best to leave the past behind They seem so small and insignificant When looking back Until they come Creep up and attack Your pretty little story Is then again not real Once you start Remember how he used to make you feel But the pressure is off now The clock is all your own You know that you will love Almost one day at home 
once again safe to act your age Hopes and dreams make up your tools It's time for your own rules Your future is yours for the writing and the taking Each new breath is to behold Once again, that was Gloria West and the Gents performing their original tune, Leave the Past Behind. Now, welcome to our Lunchbox segment. Today, our lunch comes from the galley in downtown St. Pete. What you're having over there looks pretty good today, Kev. It is. It's one of my favorites. Their Cuban sandwich is super good. And what's really cool is they also include salami. They have the ham and the pork and everything else. Oh, salami. (laughs) I know, it's funny, I posted about it one day and somebody was questioning the salami ingredient and I had to explain that the original Cuban sandwich was actually invented in Tampa by Cuban immigrants who came here for the uh, burgeoning cigar business in Ybor City way back in the day. I was going to say Ybor City, yeah. And they actually, they, it had salami on it. So there's, the Cuban in Miami does not have salami. And they try to say, well, ours is the right one because there's more Cubans here than there are in Tampa, but that's BS. Because it was invented here. Right. And uh, actually, your sandwich looks pretty good, too. Anyone that knows me knows I love a good Philly cheesesteak. And at the galley, they actually have a filet cheesesteak, as in filet mignon. It takes it to a whole different level, and it's delicious. So while we have lunch, we also like to read our mail. Our lunchbox segment is where we read opinions and answer questions from our listeners. So after last week's podcast, our topic of conversation was on straws and the movement here in St. Pete regarding possibly banning them here. We got several comments that uh, some of them we could tell people had actually listened to the podcast and some of them we could tell they had not. The very first post was actually a meme and it shows lemmings going off a cliff and it says, I don't know where we're going, but from the look of this crowd, it's got to be good. And really that was just a, a meme that was Kind of funny relating to the herd mentality of just following along with the crowd. And, and that was from Ron Goldstein, and he actually said, fantastic job on the podcast. So he probably agrees with the point of view we expressed. But we appreciate you listening to that, Ron. Reagan Stevens wrote in, Plastic straws seem to be such a tiny, small component of worldwide pollution and total volume of plastics entering the environment. Water and soda bottles, plastic bags, thousands of types of plastic containers all still there, still polluting. Not opposed to cutting back on straws, but not sure how much difference it's going to make in the grand picture, which was kind of what we said too, so I guess he's agreeing with us. We wanted to thank Eileen Stafford because, interestingly enough, she is all for the No Straws movement. Which is fine. And at first, I could tell that she had not yet listened to the podcast when she was commenting, so we asked her to, and she did. And gave us some nice compliments, even though she might not agree with uh, that conversation. 
but she said, uh, I finished listening to your podcast. A plus for originality and humor and professionalism. I didn't learn anything new because I'm well aware of your views on banning straws. I commend you both for being so passionate about this subject. Yeah, we thank you for that, Eileen. And we definitely are, as you can tell. Yeah, and she went on also to say, I love the humor. And with all due respect, it reminded me of an SNL skit. That's a compliment. Yes, I certainly take that as a compliment. It's not what I was going for, but I'll (laughs) take it. (laughs) I'm not quite sure where SNL worthy is at this point, but we appreciate it. Virginia Gonzalez also listened as well, and we thank you too, um, and said her opinion's still the same, which is fine. I mean, we we know we're not going to change everyone's opinions. But Virginia did agree with us uh, that shaming people is is ridiculous. Right, right. We also had a a funny meme. I had to laugh at it. I just thought it was funny of a little girl being chased by a police officer down the beach screaming, I need it for my juice box. That was actually my favorite comment out of everything. It was (laughs) cracking me up. I, I don't know where they got a picture of a of a uh, like this big burly mean looking cop chasing a little girl. Hopefully that was staged. <laughs> anyway, it was funny. Anyway, we we had a very um, intelligent, well written, long comment that came from a member of our group, Maria Vega Rodriguez, who is now no longer a member of our group, and we'll tell you why in so, a minute. It's all my fault. Cause I'm a big um, meanie. But she wrote in that the overlying issue here. Is not really with the straws itself, it's with single-use plastics, of which straws are one of the most popular items. As a marine scientist, I've seen way too many plastics and trash on Caribbean and Floridian reefs. Much of this trash probably made its way to the ocean from nearby coastal communities where people thought this plastic cup or straw or whatever other disposable item will never make it to the ocean before throwing it into the trash can. And then she went on to say, but there it is on the reefs. Banning straws is more than just an idea. It is a movement to get people to think about the waste that they generate and how to have more environmentally friendly lifestyles. Uh, Maria goes on to say, this is necessary in St. Pete, Florida, and elsewhere. I do realize that St. Pete is fortunate to have like-minded people and industries that think about the environment. That's very true. That's my interjection there. Pinellas County government is a great example of that. However, let's not disregard that we all have a responsibility with our environment, not just the industries. Let's all do our part. Finally, I acknowledge the creators of this podcast in their intent of displaying different points of views. This is an important and necessary discussion. And that really is our intent, to get this to be a discussion. Now, Kevin, from reading her comment, and he was very impressed with it, he thought, he, he wondered if she had actually really listened to the podcast or she just kind of saw the title and, and uh, wrote her opinion. So he asked her, just, and he wasn't asking her in a negative way. He just said, um, Virginia, did you happen to listen to the podcast? And she... Yeah, that's, that's Maria. Oh, I'm sorry. Maria, I keep Maria saying. Maria Rodriguez. Yeah. Right. Virginia Gonzalez was the other commenter. She did not take that well for some reason. Um, she said, I think my post is pretty clear and is in direct response to the podcast. I will not comment further. Have a great day. And then she promptly left our group, which we have no idea why, because he did not mean that in any way. So always remember when people are... This is just my little tip on this. When people are commenting on or replying to your comment um, that you can't hear their tone of voice, you don't really know how they meant it. And Kevin was really just trying to clarify. So just keep that in mind when you're sending in, writing in emails or writing replies and comments. Next time I ask, did you listen to the podcast? I will put a little smiley face. Yeah, that'll solve it all. Maybe even a heart. So that wraps up our lunchbox segment for today. 
please email us at lunchbox at stpetersburgfoodies.com with your opinions, feedback, and questions to be featured in this segment. This is Louis Spitrini from Nueva Cantina, and you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. For this week's St. Petersburg Foodies Tip of the Week, we're going to talk about Open Table. Just because Open Table shows that there's no availability at a certain time doesn't necessarily mean that there's no availability at that certain time. Restaurants tend to sometimes hold back tables uh, for their own inventory, kind of like hotels do that. They hold back hotel rooms from Expedia or other online reservation areas. So my advice call. Thank you for listening. Thanks to our guests and thanks to our sponsors. Our announcer is Candace Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News and our intro music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes or any other podcast app, please give us a rating and also remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. Bring me four fried chickens and a Coke.